I'm reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Calling calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Kathy, thank you very much for reading. Um, In case we haven't met, my name is Liam. I work here at St. John's. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Let's pray as we come to God's word, as we listen to what he said. Let's pray together. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I was going to... I was going to start this sermon with a great story about an unsung hero. You know the kind of person, um, they, maybe they built a load of orphanages somewhere on the other side of the world, or maybe they're helping fight polio in West Africa. You know the kind of unsung hero I'm talking about. But you know, the problem with that is I, I couldn't think of an unsung hero, because it's kind of the clues in the name, they're unsung. I just don't know them. I don't know that person. Um, there are thousands of people doing hundreds and hundreds of things, which are absolutely amazing, and they never get any recognition for it. Not, not any notice. Nobody notices them. And they may never get any notice or any recognition. In our Bible passage, I don't know if you recognized it, but there's another unsung hero. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be like her. Not like the people who get all the notice, all the attention. I want you to be like that unsung hero. Now, up front, I want to I wanna say, this evening, I'm going to be talking about money. I'm going to be talking about money. Uh, I'm not embarrassed about that. I grew up at a church which we didn't really talk about money that often. Uh, I'm not sure why. I don't know why we didn't talk about money. Um, but maybe I just wasn't listening <laughs> those bits. But I think I missed out on something if we don't talk about money. Jesus talks about money, so we're going to think about money. Uh, and specifically, we're going to think about how we give our money, giving our money away. Um, and as we, as we look at this, but this bit of Mark chapter 12, what we'll see is this. Don't, don't give so that others notice. Give so that you notice. Don't give so that other people notice, but give so that you notice. That's what we'll see, hopefully, from Mark chapter 12. We'll look at it in two halves. So firstly, don't give so that other people notice. Uh, we'll see that from actually verses 38 to 41. Um, but before we get there, I think it's always good to um, take a bit of a run-up so that we're, we're not just taking these Bible verses out of context. Uh, I think it's good to understand where this comes in Mark's gospel. What's happened in Mark's gospel account of Jesus' life up until this point? Well, Mark wants us to understand the identity, uh, the, the mission of Jesus, what Jesus is calling people to. Um, so maybe you know a bit about Mark's gospel, maybe you don't. Back in Mark chapter 8, there's this, there's this big moment where Peter, one of Jesus' followers, he gets Jesus' identity. He finally understands who he is. He says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're God's promised king. 
And Jesus explains his mission. Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. And then Jesus calls his disciples. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's Jesus' call. And then throughout Mark chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, Jesus repeats that over and over again. He's going to die. He's going to die. I'm going to die. The religious leaders, they're going to torture me and kill me. And then chapter 11, there's Palm Sunday, which is a week today. We'll be remembering that. And that's Jesus going into Jerusalem, the place where he's going to die. And then throughout the rest of Mark chapter 11, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they, what do they do to Jesus? Well, they question Jesus. They question his authority. They are sitting in judgment over Jesus. That's throughout Mark chapter 11. Chapter 12, you've got leaders trying to set traps for Jesus. They're trying to catch him out. They're trying to ask him really tricky questions. They're unsuccessful. There's one guy, one scribe, who's quite close to Jesus, actually. He, he almost understands him, but he, Jesus says he's not quite there. You get this in chapter 12, verse 34. Um, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So there's no further questions for Jesus. What happens next? Well, Jesus turns on them, he turns the tables, and he starts asking them questions. He shows that the religious leaders, well, they, they actually don't understand the scriptures. They don't understand the Bible, and they don't understand who Jesus is. And Jesus says, here's the point, Jesus says, misunderstanding who he is, that's got dire consequences. So take a look with me at Mark chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, it would be a good thing to have it open. Mark chapter 12, verse 38. This is what Jesus says. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. What do we, what do we see about these religious leaders? Well, they're challenging Jesus' authority because actually Jesus is a challenge to their authority. If Jesus is God's chosen king, then what do they need to do? Well, they need to submit to him. But rather than accept Jesus and accept Jesus' authority, the religious leaders, they want to be the ultimate authority. They want to be the top dogs. For them, it's all about being noticed. Did you see that? It's what, whatever they wear or how people greet them, they're looking for people to notice them. They want to be noticed at public events or even at their place of worship. They, they want people to notice them. For them, it's all about them. And they, they want everyone else to notice it's all about them. The religious leaders, they look so impressive on the outside. Everyone is looking at them. And to make sure that they stay on top of the pile, they push other people down. Did you see that? They, they assert their authority on the weak and the needy. Jesus says they devour widows' houses. These people look impressive on the outside, but Jesus says it's serious stuff. He says they'll be punished most severely. So what's at the heart of the issue? What's the problem? Well, it's their heart. Their heart is the problem. What does this what does this mean for us? Well, I think put simply, it means don't be like these people. Don't be like these people. 
I think it's especially a danger if, uh, for those of us who like the religious leaders Jesus is talking about, perhaps you're in a position of power or influence, or perhaps people look up to you, or you experience respect from people. Perhaps in the church family, you're in that position. Are you one of those people at church that people notice? I think this is a danger for us. Take me, for example. I'm often up here at the front, either standing here or standing over there, leading singing. I'm on the staff here at church. Occasionally, people say thanks to me. They're very kind. They say thanks to me for something that I've done. That can quickly go to my head. Quickly go to my head. Sometimes people say thanks to me for something I've not even done. <laughs> what, do I, what do I do then? I need, to, I need to watch my heart. I need to take care. I need to watch out. Are you someone like me? Do you have some sort of status or standing? You might not be like me in having an official title or a job role or something like that. But maybe your position of power is popularity. Maybe people look up to you in some way. Maybe you're the, peop- you're the person that people want to spend time with. People want to invite you over. Well, if you're in that position, watch your heart very carefully. That's what Jesus says. He says, watch out. If, you're, if you've got that position of people noticing you, what are you hoping from it? In that circumstance, how are you treating Jesus? Are you elevating yourself or are you lifting Jesus up? Take a look with me at the next verse, verse 41. Jesus continues. He says the showing off, it continues when it comes to the way that people use their money, the way that people give their money. The showing off continues. The attitude that people have towards Jesus, well, it affects the way that they give their money. Take a look at verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. What you need to know about this scene is uh, this is in the temple, and dotted around the temple, there's these, these 13 money chests, and they're, they're big, and they're metal, and they've got these big trumpet shapes, and you like chuck your money in there. There's no, there's no contactless, or there's no cash, uh, as in like notes. It's just metal coins, and you throw them into a metal trumpet. And as you throw your money in and give your money, it makes a noise. It's kind of like an opposite of a... A slot machine. You know a slot machine in a, in a, a casino? When you win the money, it makes all the noise and everyone notices that you're, you're winning the money. Well, this is like everyone notices when you give the money because it makes loads of noise as you throw your coins into this trumpet. And these people, they're giving so that other people notice. They're giving so that other people notice. And again, Jesus is calling us not to be like these people. Don't give so that others notice. God sees you're giving. So others don't have to. Look at verse 41 again. Jesus sits down and he watches. He watches people give. He's the only one who's allowed to do that. Jesus is the judge and he's a perfect judge at that. What does this mean? Well, giving money, it's, it's private and it's personal. I'm thankful that I can give via bank transfer. So it's harder for me to compare myself with other people. Elsewhere, Jesus says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is giving. Giving is private and it's personal. If you're someone who thinks you give a lot of money, then don't expect special treatment. 
Your giving is personal and private. Don't give money so that other people notice. So that's the negative example. Let's move on to what Jesus says we should be like. Jesus gives us this unsung, unsung hero, this widow. Don't give so that others notice. Give so that you notice. What do I mean by that? Well, we'll see this from verses 42 to 44. As I read verses 42 to 44, try and spot the differences between the, the widow and the other people. In fact, I'll start at verse 41. This is the scene. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Hopefully the the differences between those two groups of people are easy to spot, aren't they? The rich people, well, they're rich. The widow, she's not rich, she's poor. It's likely at the time she, she didn't have any income and she didn't really have any prospects. Another difference between them is the rich people, well, they throw in large amounts into those trumpets, those chest, money chests. The widow, she puts in two small coins. The rich people, they look impressive as they give all this money. The widow, well, no one would have noticed her. No one. No one except Jesus. Jesus is the one that sees, sees that tiny act. Now, Jesus goes on to explain another difference. He says there's another difference between the widow and the other people. And this one is harder to spot, which is why Jesus makes it clear. He explains it. He explains that the widow has given more than the rich people. She has given more. What's going on here? Is Jesus just giving a glorified math lesson about percentages or something? I don't think it's that. Notice who the lesson is for. Um, look at verse 43 starts calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, so Jesus, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He calls his disciples to him. At this point, he's not addressing the crowds. Sometimes he's talking to all the crowds listening. But at this point, he's talking just to the disciples, to the people that are following him. Perhaps you're here this evening, and you wouldn't call yourself a disciple, or you're not really sure if you're following Jesus. We always have people in that position here at St. John's, and it's great that you're here. What you need to know is Jesus isn't saying how to become his follower here. Jesus isn't saying, give me your money and you're in. You can follow me. That's not what he's saying. The way to become a disciple of Jesus is to trust Jesus, not to buy your way in. Trust who Jesus is and what he's done. You can read the rest of Mark's gospel for yourself. In fact, that would be a good thing to do. And you'll see for yourself Jesus is God's promised savior of the world. He saves people by sacrificially dying in their place. And then he rises from the grave to prove it. The way in is to trust him and follow him. But what you also need to know is that there is a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost. Following Jesus is going to affect every area of your life, including 
how you use your money. Now, if you're here and you are a disciple of Jesus, you are following Jesus, then Jesus is teaching us this lesson. The way that we give is part of our discipleship. Don't give so that other people notice, but give so that you notice. What do I mean by notice? Notice, notice in what way? Well, firstly, I think we'll notice it because giving is costly. Giving is costly and sacrificial. Notice, notice in the story, the woman, she's got two coins, and she gives both of them away. That just blows my mind. She's got two coins, and she gives both of them away. She could have, she could have kept one to live on and give the other one away, but she doesn't. She gives both away. The kind, of Jesus, the kind of giving that Jesus is after is costly, and it's sacrificial. Now, giving that's costly and sacrificial, it's, it's got to be motivated by something. And it's not motivated by guilt, or by thinking that we'll get more back than we give. It's not motivated by that. The Bible makes it clear that our motivation should be grace. Grace is, what is grace? Well, grace is God's kindness to us. Kindness that we just don't deserve. That's our motivation. Jesus calls his followers to deny themselves and to take up their cross. But before he tells them to take up their cross, he takes up his cross. He takes up the cross. He dies on that cross. He dies the death that we deserve. He bears all the punishment for our sin, not his own. No one can follow Jesus before they know that he's died and that he's risen again for them. Jesus isn't just a really good example of giving. No, he, he enables our giving. When I, when I see how much God loves me in sending Jesus to die in my place, it's then that I'm able to follow him, even if that costs me a lot. A bit later, we're going we're gonna to sing these words. We're going to sing, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so de- amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Our giving is part of our discipleship. When we understand that Jesus died in our place, that demands a response from us. Am, am I saying that we should give away all of our money? Should we make ourselves poor? What if, what if I don't have much money? Well, I don't think you have to literally give everything away. But surely it should be costly. Surely it should be at least noticeable. If you're worried about that, then, then talk to someone. Talk to a Christian that you trust about it. So where have we got to? Don't give so that other people notice. Give so that you notice. We'll notice because it's costly. But we'll also notice because giving is good for us. Giving is good for us. The widow, she's got two coins, and she gives both of them away. She doesn't give much, but she knows it's worth it to give both of those coins away. Giving is not about helping God out. Giving is good for us. God really doesn't need our help. He owns everything. <laughs> he owns it already. It's not like he needs us to give him anything. We'll be thinking more about that next week, um, so you can find out more about that next week. 
But if you were here for the morning sermons that we looked at in, in 2 Corinthians, then you would have heard a bit already about how giving money can be good for us. Perhaps you've discussed it in your small groups. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul describes giving as, as a privilege. It's a gift of grace. In those morning, morning sermons, someone said, joy produces generosity, and generosity produces joy. When we give away what we have, it helps us to depend on God for everything that we need. I think Jesus puts it most simply in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. This, this verse pops up every time I open my bank account, actually. It says, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus says. So we should take Jesus' word for it. So, so as we draw to a close, don't give so that other people notice. Give so that you notice. It may be, it may be costly, but it's good for you. Working at a church, I reckon I get to go to more funerals than the average person. You might think that's weird, but I've been to several funerals of people that uh, I, I didn't know. I never met them. I'm usually sitting at the back over there doing sound or vision or something. And if there's one thing I've learned from going to funerals, it's this. I might not have known the person uh, that is deceased. I might not even known their name. They might have looked really unimpressive from most people's point of view. Their life was probably just full of ordinary stuff, doing relatively unimpressive things. I've never been to a celebrity's funeral. <laughs> but if that unimpressive person that person trusted Jesus, well, in a sense, none of that stuff matters. It doesn't matter if their life was impressive. Jesus saw all their acts of faithfulness, no matter how big or small they were. Jesus noticed the countless little decisions that they made out of love for him. And now, where are they? Well, if they trusted Jesus, they're with him forever. And what, what are they hearing? Well, they hear Jesus say these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. God isn't asking us to be impressive. He's asking us to be faithful. Let's pray together as we finish. Heavenly Father, thank you very much for what you're teaching us. Thank you for your word that you speak clearly to us. Thank you so much for Jesus not just being an example of giving, but enabling our giving. Thank you for his death in our place and his resurrection to life. Thank you for your kindness to us that we just don't deserve. I pray that that would be our motivation to give. Help us to think these things over. In your name we pray. Amen.